I'm going to do a reading with you from Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 officials so that they would be over the whole kingdom and over them three presidents of whom Daniel was first so that the officials might give accounts to them and the king not suffer loss. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and officials because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and the officials sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any occasion against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and officials assembled together to the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and officials, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be altered. Therefore, King Darius signed the writing, even the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house And his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had had been doing previously. Let's welcome Artie as he comes. On this Father's Day, I would like to give tribute to my dad. I'll be speaking on Daniel, who was a man of prayer, and on my father's tombstone. Uh, He's buried in Georgia. Uh, It just says, a man of prayer. That was my dad. He is the one who taught me to pray and emphasized spending time in prayer. My earliest memory of my dad is seeing him on his knees for 30 minutes before he went to work every day. Not many do that today, not many then. And I just wanted to honor my father, not only because it's Father's Day, but there's so much about Daniel that reminds me of my dad. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask now for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every mind in this place in order that their perception of what is said will be heard, received, and applied as you intend. And cleanse my tongue that I might be your transparent instrument to convey everything that needs to be said, nothing that doesn't need to be said. I pray that this will be a message that will make a difference in every life here and that this will be life-changing and a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. 
I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What is greatness? How would you define greatness? Jesus said, He that is the greatest among you, let him be your servant. He that humbles himself will be exalted. Shakespeare said, Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness thrust upon them. Blaise Pascal, The greatness of man is great in that he knows himself to be wretched. A tree does not know itself to be wretched. Winston Churchill, the price of greatness is responsibility. Many years ago, Richard Vermbron said to me, young man, spend more time talking to God about men than talking to men about God. Well, we've seen in our series from the early chapters of the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel were great men. And Daniel has a book named after him. And he's famous for his prophecies. Uh, But the secret of Daniel's greatness comes out in the message that I'm bringing to you today. Now, in my previous talk on Daniel, we saw that Belshazzar, king of Babylon, was overthrown by Darius. And by the way, Darius is the same person known as Cyrus, who would be the one to allow Israel to go back to their own land. Well, we have a change of government, but Daniel continued to enjoy royal favor. In fact, uh, King Darius would have been impressed with Daniel's prophecy of Belshazzar's fall. For whatever the reason, Darius was very impressed with Daniel. But the problem was that Daniel had exceptional grace. You may be praying for more grace and more anointing and and more power and influence, Uh, but that may be good in a way. And it was good for Daniel insofar as his relationship to the king. But it did not go well with his peers. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 4, who can stand before jealousy? When jealousy sets in, there is nothing you can do to win over people like that. Well, we might wish that this were a world in which able people, godly people, And elderly people were always appreciated. Daniel was now an old man. Well, I want us to see three things in this sermon today. Daniel's suffering, Daniel's secret, and Daniel's safety. Now, at this stage in Daniel's life, he was one of three administrators over 120 satraps. Satraps were the ancient Persian equivalent of the House of Lords. Well, a lot of people wanted Daniel's job, and and they did their best to get him fired. 
we're told in verse 4, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of governmental affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Well, the result is there will be a lot of suffering for Daniel. Do you know this, that suffering is the way we grow? Suffering is what will increase your anointing. Suffering is the way God gets our attention. Now, God can give you an increased anointing if you pray more, uh, have people lay hands on you. I have had everybody in the world, you can imagine, to lay hands on me because I want more anointing. But as far as I know, there's no direct connection between people praying for me and laying hands on me and any anointing I have. There may be, but I'm not conscious of it. If I do have any anointing today, if I do, it is all because of things God has put me through that were not very pleasant. You see, this is what Paul says, the way we grow. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. You come to treasure them. It's not because it's fun at the time, but you realize. In fact, here's what he says. We know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Well, the way we grow is through suffering. Many people pray for a greater anointing, and it's true. The greater the suffering, the greater the anointing. But I have to say also, the greater the anointing, the greater the suffering. And you may want Abraham's faith, but do you want Abraham's suffering? You want Moses' leadership skills, but do you want his suffering? Well, Daniel, he's now an old man and still growing. I don't know if we have any old people here today. I may be the oldest person. I probably am. Oh, let's, let's find out. Who here, who here is 80 years old? Anybody here 80 years old? How old are you? 80. But wait, no, wait. wait. No. Anybody else? How old are you? Well done. The reason I, I wanted to say, when will you be 81? 
I'll be 81 next month, so I'm older than you. <laughs> but you win the prize. I know this man. He used to come to Westminster Chapel. I think he's my only fan. <laughs> but let me say this to you, and I think you will agree with me. We never outgrow needing to grow. And that's the thing. God was using Daniel, but he's not finished with Daniel. And the reason he puts you through any kind of suffering is because he's not finished with you yet. It's part of the package if you're wanting to be used of God. Well, do you know people who want your job? Very awkward feeling. Well, uh, part of the suffering that we all have to go through is that you have another person who's jealous of you. And if you know that there's another person jealous of you, it's not fun. They spread rumors. They spread lies. And uh, if you were to say your problem is jealousy, it would be counterproductive. It's the elephant in the room, but you can't say anything about it. Well, if you know people who want your job, and if you know people who are jealous of you, they're jealous of your gift, they're jealous of your anointing, well, make Daniel your hero. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Well, Daniel's jealous peers had three things going for them. Number one, the king's ego. They knew that their king wanted to be worshipped. Second, there was an inflexible tradition known as the law of the Medes and the Persians. And once this king signed his name to it, it can't be annulled. Done. But then there was a third thing they had going for him. Daniel's own first love. And that is his love for God. And so they wanted his job. They wanted him out. But they said, there's no way we will get rid of him unless we find something that has to do with the law of his God. And they knew that Daniel loved God. That was his first love, God. I hope it's your first love, God. You are God-centered. You love God, the Father of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to thank everyone here. That's your first love, him. Well, what is your first love? Be honest. Is it your job? Is it your home? Is it your own ego? Or are you a slave to a habit? Or is it your good looks? Muhammad Ali died late, lately. Uh, he said he was the prettiest. Anybody here like that? Well, as soon as this document had been signed... Daniel knew that he had been framed. King Darius was very fond of Daniel. 
He had no idea that an ulterior motive prompted this show of loyalty. As for Daniel himself, he had a decision on his hands. Here was his dilemma. It was not a question whether to commit a sin, which he would never do, but it was regarding a positive duty which he would not omit. Well, the question is, would he continue his lifelong habit of regular prayer or give this up just for 30 days? This was the deal. You say they go to the king and they say, we ask you to enforce this decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Well, as I said, the king had a big ego, and he fell for it. And uh, so now Daniel uh, had to decide, would he give up his habit, lifelong habit? It was his custom. All he had to do is give it up for 30 days. Rather a short time. Anybody here, you're tempted to compromise your principles, but only for a short time. 52 weeks in a year, you say, well, one week, I will just give in to the temptations of the flesh. Easy to reason like that. What is a short period of time? How many here, you're married and you would say to your spouse, well, I tell you what, you can be faithful to me 51 weeks a year. One week, it's okay. You can be unfaithful. Would you look at it that way? Well, here's the thing. Daniel only had to give it up for 30 days. The question is, would he do it? And maybe there's someone here, you're right borderline, whether to give in to something that you know would be wrong, but it's for a brief period of time. Let's look at what Daniel does. We come now to Daniel's secret. The word secret, two ways of understanding this word. One, what is not known or meant to be known, secret. But then there's another meaning. What is the source of one's power? The source of one's strength or ability? What is your secret? What is it that you can do what you do? Is it your education? Is it your IQ? Is it your talent? Well, in the Old Testament, there was Samson, the strongest man possibly in the history of the world. What was his secret? Well, it turns out it was his long hair. Daniel. What is his secret? The answer is his prayer life. Why should he betray God who had been so faithful to him? He also knew that if he gave up praying for 30 days, those jealous of him would not give up on their vendetta against him. For once a person is dead against you, <laughs> there is not a lot you can ever do. Jesus raised this question. It's my life verse, and I think when I preach to you next, I'm going to talk to you about my life verse, John 5, 44. Jesus 
asked the Pharisees a question. How can you believe who receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? Well, the reason the Jews missed their Messiah is because they wanted honor only from each other. It did not cross their minds to want the honor that comes just from God. They didn't even think like that. But you see, Daniel was thinking like that. He had a relationship with God. And he wanted to know, Lord, what do you think? What should I do? He didn't have to wait for an answer. He already knew. His mind was made up. Well, now let's look more closely at Daniel's secret. First, it was an ordinary secret. Extraordinary man, but an ordinary secret. Because it is something everybody can do. If it is one's intelligence, you'll be threatened. If it's one's culture, you'll be threatened. Or breeding. that Most of us would not have a chance if that's what it was. I say again and again, I come from Kentucky. We're not known for a state of good breeding. We're just ordinary. In fact, Kentuckians, <laughs> I'm I don't know what is the British equivalent. Maybe if you're from Yorkshire. <laughs> or Wales. Where's Linden today? Well, Kentucky. They, they see us just, you know, well, we know about them. So if, if one secret is your breeding, it's interesting. Many of us have heroes uh, and we often pick a hero uh, that we can never be like them. I mean, if, you, if Einstein were your hero, uh, you're not going to be like him. He had an IQ, I think, of 212. 100 is average. 120, you're very bright. 130, you're genius. 150, you're brilliant. Einstein, 212, it's, it's off the charts. Nobody can fathom the depth of the quality of mind. But you can never be like that. But here's the thing. Let Daniel be your hero because his secret was an ordinary secret. And it's something we can all do. You see, it was simply this. Daniel loved God so much that he didn't have to think about what to do when he got this decree that he had to stop praying for 30 days. He gave God time. Perhaps you've heard me say, children spell love, T-I-M-E. We show our esteem by how much we give a person. And Daniel had time for God. How much do you actually pray? How much do you pray? If there could be flashed on a screen here, uh, all of you, how much you pray every day? Chris, what if we flashed on the screen how much you pray? Not asking? The average church leader in Britain prays four minutes a day whether they be vicar, pastor, evangelist, the average church leader in Britain, four minutes a day. 
My dad prayed 30 minutes a day. I once asked him when he was now having a bit of Alzheimer's, but we could ask him questions about the distant past. And I said, Dad, how come you prayed so much? You pray more than most preachers. He just said, well, our pastor, Gene Phillips, urged every member to pray 30 minutes a day. I always have. He didn't think there was anything unusual about it. John Wesley prayed two hours a day. Martin Luther, two hours a day. Typical church leader today, the average, four minutes a day. And you wonder why the church is powerless. And I'm asking you, how much do you pray? You see, it wasn't Daniel's intellect or personality, his ability to debate, nothing like that. There's nothing complex about Daniel. It's an ordinary secret. So we read in verse 10, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Well, ordinary secret. But you'd have to say it was an orderly secret. Notice how it is put. Three times a day, set times. And he always got on his knees. People don't get on their knees much nowadays. In my old church back in Ashland, Kentucky, would you believe when the whole congregation, when it was time to pray, everybody turned around and got on their knees. And not only that, he gave thanks. It was part of his prayer life, giving thanks. How much do you thank God? Or do you just rush into God's presence and you've got your little prayer list and, and you're out? Look here. The reason the Lord's Prayer is petitioned as it is, is that you have to start out saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. It, it's a God-centered prayer. And this is the thing. He gave thanks. How much do you thank God? I would urge you, listen to me. Don't go to bed tonight without thinking of three things, at least, for which you're thankful of this very day. Don't go back to yesterday, two years ago. Go by what has happened today. Do it again tomorrow. It has been established by medical people and psychologists. Thankful people live longer. There's a motivation. Get you going. All right. Have you ever heard of the Holy Club? in Oxford, 18th century. Three men, they were nobodies. John Wesley was his name. Charles Wesley was another, and George Whitfield. And they met in Lincoln College, Oxford. You can go to Lincoln College today, and they will take you to the room where they met for set times of prayer. And because of their methodical way of doing it, they were laughed at, and scorned, and they called these three men Methodists. And that's how the name Methodist emerged. And they turned out to be three of the great men in British history. George Whitfield, greatest evangelist ever produced in Britain. John Wesley, founder of what became the Methodist Church. Charles Wesley, 
over 6,000 hymns, greatest hymn writer ever. It goes back to the Holy Club. You know, I wonder what we're leaving for the next generation. Now, I happen to believe we're in the last days. But suppose I'm wrong and another generation comes on. What legacy are you leaving for the next generation? We need to raise up people that will pray and give thanks and be unashamed. And so, if you don't have a set time for prayer, chances are you will never get around to praying as you should. And if you don't have a Bible reading plan, you probably will never read your Bible as you should. And so, his secret was an ordinary secret. It was an orderly secret, but it was an open secret, by which I mean two things. Daniel did not care who knew. He was unashamed. We read, he prayed three times a day, giving thanks to God just as he had always done. Open secret. You see, he wasn't doing this to impress anybody. Now, there can be a, a false motivation for praying. If you're like the Pharisees, uh, they could not conceive of spending any time in prayer unless it was known. If they gave, they wanted to bring in an orchestra to play because they wouldn't give if it wasn't going to be noticed. Pharisees only pray if people see them. That's not the reason Daniel did it. It was the opposite. He did it to show that he would not be intimidated. He did it to show his love for God when he was under pressure. And so remember this. He prayed not to make himself look good, but because he was unafraid and unashamed. And we're told, just to make sure everybody knew, he opened the windows. He went to an upstairs room where the windows opened. Anybody could see him. Remind me this morning, I was saying to Louise, when I was in my Nazarene church many years ago, uh, we sang a little chorus. The windows of heaven are opened. The blessings are falling tonight. There's joy, joy, joy in my soul since Jesus came into my heart. I'm going to stop because I'd have to charge Colin if I sang any more. The windows of heaven opened. That can mean not only that you're unashamed, but you're opening the windows of heaven. You want blessing to pour out on you? How much time do you have for God? All right. Nothing complicated about his secret. Transparent, unashamed, and unafraid. And what about this law of the Medes and Persians? Daniel knew it was contrived and an unjust law. Any law that violates faithfulness to God's word is unjust. Daniel knew. The king knew. He wasn't being disloyal to the king. And when the king eventually knew what lay at the bottom of this, he was horrified. You see, here's the way they do it. They get him to sign this legislation playing into his ego. Anybody that doesn't pray to you, he'll be thrown into the lion's den. Uh, and then when he finds out 
that Daniel was who they were getting at. It says in verse 14, when Daniel, uh, sorry, when the king heard that Daniel was going to be thrown into the lion's den, he was greatly distressed. And he was determined to rescue Daniel and make every effort until sundown to save him. But you see, they came to him. Oh, remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. And so the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. So the king knew he was now trapped by his own legislation. And the king had to give the order for Daniel to be put into the lion's den. It's very interesting. I wonder if you ever noticed this. We don't know if Daniel prayed when he got into the lion's den. He might have. We didn't say. The, you know who really prayed? It was the king. The king prayed. The last thing he says, he says, may God oh, uh, uh, protect you when you are, are, are there in the lion's den. Your God, whom you serve continually, may he rescue you. The, the king is praying for Daniel. Well, third and last point, Daniel's safety. In the ancient Near East, the sport of kings was lion hunting. And the pit in which lions were kept provided a trouble-free method of deposing of undesirable members of society. The lion's den had two entrances. There was a ramp down which the animals would enter. But then there was also a hole in the roof by which they were normally fed. It's not sure whether Daniel was thrown from the top or walked in from the side. But there was only one way out, and that is if someone let down a rope. And to prevent that, they put a stone sealed by the king so that nobody could rescue Daniel. And so Daniel may have prayed. I don't know if he prayed or not. The king prayed. And it was the king, as a result, who had a sleepless night. And so we read in verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. And so normally, anybody let down into the lion's den by a rope, they're dealt with in about 30 seconds. Well, he couldn't sleep. He waits for the break of day. And so the king got up, hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue from the lions? You may remember that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the burning, fiery furnace, and they said to each other, look who's here. 
Jesus had shown up. And what Daniel says, that he had an unusual visitor. He said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Well, Daniel was a great man, not because he had a book named after him, not because he had visions and revelations there without repentance, but it was a man of prayer, and it was unashamed, unafraid. And also, Daniel knew who the real enemy was, and this is an important point. Are there people jealous of you? They're not your enemy. Paul says we wrestle, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Paul learned not to take persecution personally. Paul knew that behind those who were against him was the devil. And you need to remember this. Don't take persecution personally. If they're jealous, don't take it personally. Remember, if God is with you, that is who they are jealous of. Well, the devil always overreaches himself. Remember this about the devil. He always goes too far and it backfires. Did you know that Satan thought he was the architect of Jesus' crucifixion? Did you know that? The devil thought he had done it. Turns out it was God's plan, and after Jesus was raised from the dead, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, the princes of this world would not have crucified the Lord of glory had they known. And then we know also from reading the book of Revelation what happens to the devil in the future. My reading yesterday had me in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, and you find out the end, the eventual destiny of the devil. Are you aware where the devil ends up? It says, the devil was cast into the lake of fire that burns the fire and brimstone to be tormented day and night forever and ever. That is where the devil will end up. And just remember, he is the accuser. He will accuse you. He will say you're nothing. He will say you could not possibly be saved. He will throw up your past and rem Mind you of every bad thing you've ever done. By the way, the next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. You have a defeated foe. Well, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And remember, you don't know how it's going to happen. You will see with your own eyes how God will vindicate you. Don't try to figure it out. But here's what you've got going for you. The angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him. Listen to this verse. Psalm 91 verse 11. He will command his angels concerning you 
to guard you in all your ways. The God of Daniel is your God. He is your God. He will see you through. This is a promise. It's a guarantee from God. Well, maybe some of you dread going home today. For all I know, is your marriage a living hell? Or are there people in the office or in the neighborhood having to live near them with them? It's like a nightmare. Or are you under financial pressure and you don't see any way out? Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't try to figure out how God's going to do it. But he will see you through. Remember, as your days, so will your strength be. I live by that verse. When you get to be 80, you go by verses like that. I can tell you now, the last two weeks of this year, 2016, the busiest of my whole life. Last week, I did eight talks for TBN. This past week, I was in Mozambique, and every day from the time I woke up, I didn't even get a cup of coffee. They said, you've got to go. I have to speak to 200 Mozambicans and 300 people that have come there to study. And I didn't stop till dark. And then the next day. And you know what? I can look at you now and say, I feel better than I did a week ago. As your days, so will your strength be. And if you are in an impossible situation, I think of the old hymn. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of woe shall not overflow, for I will be with thee thy trials to bless and sanctify to you your deepest distress. And if you're going through suffering right now, I don't say it's fun. And when Paul says we rejoice in sufferings, it doesn't mean it's fun. But you know that one day you'll treasure it all. And you'll be able to say it's the best thing that ever happened to you. Daniel's God is your God. Amen. One last point. Daniel was unashamed. He was unafraid. Are there people at work, they don't know you're a Christian? Are you afraid of telling anybody? You don't have to do it in an obnoxious way and you don't have to give everybody the creeps by the way you do it. But do they know? You're unashamed. And by the way, could it be that there's someone here, maybe just one person? You've never, in a church service, stood up to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to show the world that you're unashamed. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. Have you ever done that? On this basis, that in your heart at this moment, your only hope of going to heaven is because Jesus shed his blood for your sins. If your hope is that you've tried to live a good life, you're lost. If your hope is that you were baptized, you're lost. If your hope is because you joined a church, you're lost. 
And if your hope is that you pray three times a day, you're lost. That's not what saves you. You've got one hope. The blood of Jesus. Jesus. 